looking for a man in front, sent it out in front, Domi, that was up, the rebound, scores! Max Domi, 4-0 Toronto! Holy Mackinac, what a period! And a foot race is on with Domi, Domi cutting for the net, and a goalie scores! Maxwell Domi, second goal of the game! Maple Leafs are going to pick up their 32nd win of the season, their 72nd point, and their 17th win on the road this year. When we have everyone going like that, we're a tough team to beat. Um, we can play with anyone, and get four lines going short and hard, and everyone's sticking to their game plan, keeping it simple, staying disciplined, not taking penalties, and um, we do that. We just come at teams in waves, and that's the ex-Stanley uh, Cup champions. I mean, they might not have had their best tonight, but I'm sure they'd say that we're a tough team to play against. So. Um, just got to keep building, get ready to go for another big test in Colorado. I'm looking forward to it. Good morning. It's Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Man, it's Brent Gunning. It's a Friday. Maple Leafs have won, uh, won six in a row. They played their best period of the season in the opening 20 against the defending champion. You can miss me with your Mark Stone, Jack Eichel on LTIR stuff. Like, I don't, I don't care. Mm-hmm. That was a statement for me uh, a team that had won five consecutive without morgan riley in his first game back was there any let let up no opposite they they looked as good uh, as they've looked in any of the previous five good morning brent oh a, a resplendent morning to you ben i had to get the thesaurus thesaurus out i loved it so much this is like a bit of a deep tv cut but i think this is like westworld season two when the robot is just like have you ever seen anything with so much splendor mm. looking at the beautiful lights of the city for the first time that was me watching that first period of leafs hockey last night now gets off to a you know a normal start to the hockey game Leafs are pushing Vegas pushing and then one goes in and they all start going in beautiful goals from David Kampf Max Domi on hat trick watch Matthews of course gets his Mm -hmm. what is not to like it's Friday what a morning Ben 7-3 for for anybody waking up who has not seen the highlights doesn't know what happened 7-3 Maple Leafs up 4-0 after the opening 20 minutes of play they had 20 shots on goal in the first period of play mm-hmm. um, against the defending champs. And there's a lot to get to from this game. But for me, the overriding narrative is this is a different deployment that we've seen. Mm-hmm. This team, for the first time, I don't know, in the near decade of Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Toronto Maple Leafs teams, they have three lines that are capable of putting the puck in the back of the net. And you yesterday was four. Like, the fourth line was good. Ryan Reeves was good. David Camps was good. Mm -hmm. Like, this team is capable of rolling their lines. And, of course, they got the guy who's on pace still for 77 goals, and he got one late. Game was decided by that Mm -hmm. point, although, I mean, they got a little nervous. But For sure. They're still the Leafs, after all. (laughs) For a team as top-heavy as they are, and they still are, for the first time in a near decade, it it feels like a, a a real team. Like, is that too much to say? I I I don't know that it is. Honestly, I wrote. I just I'll read to you the question I planned on asking you. Now you brought it up. I don't know that there's a hard and fast answer to this, but 
Spreading the wealth among the forward lines is Sheldon Keefe's best decision since. <laughs> and it's like, he might argue, proposing to his wife. Come Honestly, on. it's remarkable yeah. what this has done for the team. Like, he didn't come up with a whole cloth, too, right? Like, um, circumstances dictated mm-hmm. that he had the illnesses to and yeah, roll the dice with, with some of these lines. It wasn't just that Morgan Riley was suspended for five games. And this all started with that performance against the St. Louis Blues and mm-hmm. Jake McCabe. I think hit the nail on the set, on the head talking about that game is is kind of like proof of concept and everybody looking around and saying, "Oh, wait, if we're given some responsibility, I think we can all be good without mm-hmm. these guys that are making a combined 40 plus million dollars a season." But yeah, it was Morgan Riley out for that game, but it was also John Tavares and Mitch Marner out mm-hmm. for that game. And here we are 6 games later, John Tavares, William Nylander split up. Max Domi is the second line center on this uh-huh. team that that has Stanley Cup aspirations. And we can talk about the viability of that. But he had uh-huh. two goals yesterday. And the eye test is matching the performance. Tyler Bertuzzi playing on the same line uh-huh. as him with William Nylander. Looks like a real thing. John Tavares is scoring five on five goals. And like I said, the fourth line does more than just punt away. It's 10 minutes a game. And you're getting a body back. I don't know how soon, but to make the third line better. When Yarn Kroc comes back, it makes all the sense in the world that if you're going to just have Tavares be the worker B line with a guy who, yes, we talk about foot speed, but you put him in a good spot, he can still shoot it in the net really, really effectively. Still an elite finisher, John Tavares. So you look at it, and this is the this is the way that you can have offense spread out and still have a top heavy team. The, the Leafs' salary structure has not changed in this in this uh, time frame that they've gone on this win. They've just, or this, this run of wins. They've just been able to spread it out. Now, I think you bring up a pretty salient point in Domi. I think we'll have conversations about the viability of that, but I'm going to say it again, that he was a important center for a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year. And unlike the East, we don't think of the Western Conference playoffs as something that you can necessarily skill your way through. Like you got to defend and you got to play heavy hockey. Mm. Sometimes that stuff's overstated, but it certainly wasn't last year when they had to go or go up against a Golden Knights team or Stars team, or he was on the Stars, but the the teams he had to go against in that playoff run. And I also think that this is some of the natural backing off of Tavares that's been talked about. There's been talk about moving him to the wing, mm-hmm. and I'm not it's a long season. Mm-hmm. Still 20 some odd games left. I'm not ruling out the possibility we see that at some point in time. But this is a great way to back him off, give him slightly less responsibility, especially when the way the Matthews line is going right now, and yes, it's about Matthews and Marner, of course, but it's a little bit about what you're getting out of Nyes as well, is that you can use that as a matchup line mm-hmm. that scores for you. And that is, you know, we talk about having a line that can win their mi- their minutes. That is winning their minutes in spades because they can, generally speaking, limit what's going on on the other end while creating copious amounts of offense. And then that just puts the other two lines in such a good position. Yeah, what are we watching here is, is what I'm curious about as well <laughs> because it's six consecutive wins, and that's the first win against a real bona fide Stanley Cup contender. But, and like I said, you can miss me with the Jack Eichel, sure. Mark Stone of it all, but those guys are factually missing and as well as others. This is a, like Byron Freeze played mm-hmm. in that game, okay? Like, let's, let's, let's take it easy. I remember easy. him. Uh, but, yeah, th- that's not a horrible team without those guys, and the blue line's still pretty... Pretty close to what you're going to get in the yeah, postseason. Yeah, John Tavares early on in that game when he got crumpled. Yeah, Jay Theodore's back. Like they're 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 
the blue line looks pretty close to what it looked like when they're yeah. winning a Stanley Cup. Those are both their regular goalies, one of whom got chased yesterday. Okay. And, yeah, it could look very different, I suppose, tomorrow in Denver against the champs from two years ago. But now all of a sudden the Leafs find themselves in ninth in the NHL in points percentage. Leapfrog the Edmonton Oilers. Mm. So if you think the Oilers are cup contenders and you're going to use the standings as reason why, I think you got to look at the Leafs. Um, what, what are we watching here? Like, let's go back to the conversation. I know we both came to the same conclusion that that you would put them in a, a, a tier of contenders that is about seven, eight deep. What if you start calling it down to like five here? I'm not going that far because I think this is what the game of hockey is kind of all about. This is indicative of what the game is, is that it is so unlike a football team that plays once a week where you can Mm -hmm. pour everything into it or unlike a basketball team, honestly, where more often than not skill just prevails, even for the best teams, it is hard to stay at a truly elite clip for an entire season. And this isn't to say that I think the Leafs are playing above their head or this is hockey that they can't to a certain extent sustain. But I just think that this is what it looks like when you're a contender in the NHL. And yes, there have been years where you're more of a capital C contender and you don't really have the dips, but guess what? It hasn't worked out for them. Look at Boston last year. We all called them capital C contenders all year long. I just think this is, we have to be a little more mindful of what the sport of hockey is like frozen rubber on ice. There is so much more variance that you just see runs like this. Now I don't say that to say, Oh, they're getting tons of puck luck and it's going to run out. No, they're playing different Mm -hmm. and that needs to be continued. But that's, that's the way I look at it. That yes, this run is nice, but I don't, if you would have told me a week ago that Matthew's scoring the way he did and the offense is all spread out, I would say, Oh, I would completely change my opinion on this team. I don't know that I have. Maybe yeah. that says more about where I was than where most people were, but but that's kind of how I see it. God. It's just the, the nature of the sport. I Man, I, I, Craig Simpson's one of the best analysts we got going in all sports, right? Cosign. Um, and we talked to him, what was it, a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. about, I think it was in conversation about what's made the Oilers so good since the coaching change, um, but also what the Leafs can improve upon when it comes to the minutes distribution. And the making everybody feel like they're a part of this team and spreading out the wealth and giving guys a little more responsibility. That I think that's what's different about the, this six-game stretch. Is it, we, Yeah, we've seen this team as previously constructed go on nice little regular season runs, and you can convince yourself they're cup contenders, and they have been despite the playoff failures, right? A lot of single-game eliminations this team has lost in the postseason over the years. But what we're seeing over these six games is different just because of of how spread out mm-hmm. things are. And okay, it does, for it to continue that way, it means the Bobby McMahon still needs to be something offensively. And I'm with each passing day, I'm more and more convinced that Nick yeah. Robertson needs to be something. I mean, Kelly mm-hmm. Arncroft yeah. coming back maybe changes the equation on that. Mm-hmm. It means that Max Domi is your second-line center. And that Tyler Bertuzzi, despite the puck not going in the back of the net for him, needs to continue his strong play of late. And that you can rely on on a fourth line like they they did yesterday. But if they can, mm-hmm. it's the holy grail for this team, Brent. Yeah. Like this this team has been a one and a half line team in the postseason, mm-hmm. and it's different playing the Vegas Golden Knights. I get it on a Thursday night where they're missing two of their great players, as opposed to doing it in the postseason. But we haven't seen this team really be able to rely on not just. 
three lines, mm-hmm. four lines. Like to be able to mm-hmm. truly roll your lineup in the postseason w- would be something we've just not, not seen in this this run of, of Leafs teams. Well, and it's weird because the Leafs have had a great road record this year, but I think that's why it's more important than it's happening on on the road. If this was happening at home, I think we would just give Keefe all the credit. No, we wouldn't give him all the credit. We'd give Austin Matthews all the credit. And, and then Mitch Marner and then, you know, Keefe would fall in line kind of at some point but behind them. But we would sit here and say, well, this is a good job of dictating matchups. You're getting who you want out there in a good spot. Can you do it on the road? Uh, check. Did it on the road last night. It'll be a stiffer test tomorrow against a avalanche team that is healthier and rolling the way they, they are right now. I think you look at it and say, what does this look like against a, again, another cup contender on the road? And I, that that's why I think you can you can buy into this. The other thing that I think is interesting about this is, you know, we've... We've done the, again, the pecking order thing. Austin Matthews is always at the top. John Tavares is basically removed because, you know, he's not part of the same tier as these guys. And then we've had the dalliances of, hmm, is Nylander the better player? Is Marner the better player? Mitch Marner is the better player. I think most people would be surprised to say that, oh, you're going to spread out the offense, and the way to do that is to make sure the top two guys stay together. Obviously, I have no problem with it. It's working in spades, but I think that's the most interesting part of it is every time we've come to this conversation, it's been, well, can Marner drive a line? And of course he can. I don't Mm -hmm. think anyone sits here and says that Mitch Marner can't drive a line offensively. What is the center on that line? Who's the other winger? All these things matter how successful it'll be. But from an offensive perspective, of course he can be the engine of his own line. But this, this is so much more important to have your guy, Austin Matthews, playing with the best setup man humanly possible. And that's what I think is so interesting is I think most people, if you would have said that, hey, Tavares is going to have his own line, one of the wingers will, and then Matthews is going to be with one of the other wingers. You go, oh, okay. So Matthews and Nylander, Marner gets his own line, and then Tavares is your third line center. I think that's how a lot of people would have looked at it. It's how the Leafs looked at it earlier this year when they put Marner with Max Domi. So I think that's the most, or not the most, but a pretty interesting part of this as well. Yeah, you still have the number one with the bullet line, right? The the line that is going to play the most minutes. And it's the nuclear line. It's with the guy who scores 77 goals. And you need a goal? You know, maybe you're not rolling the lines as, as much as you are when you're up four nothing mm-hmm. after the opening twenty minutes yesterday, yep. but that you can get up four nothing without that line scoring. That was the only line that didn't have a point in the opening twenty minutes. It yep. was the Matthews line. It was Pontus Holmberg. We're the only four human <laughs> forwards on the Leafs team that did not have a point. Marner's favorite. Yeah, his favorite, and boy, scored another beauty goal. David Camp with a beauty goal. I can't. Yeah, there's a lot of beauty goals in that game. The 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 punt, the nicest Pontus Holmberg play was the pass mm-hmm. to Matthews on on his goal. They did a great job of highlighting it on the broadcast, waiting, 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 yep. letting Matthews get his stick in the perfect position. And it never ceases to amaze me just how much these guys know. Like, he couldn't have grazed it more than a millimeter with his stick. No, of course, yeah. he just knows right away yep. and right to the bench. And it's just like, again, it's the least amount of goals he could have scored yesterday. 52 for, for Austin Matthews. Um, yeah, this, this team, the other thing about this six-game stretch is, you know, Okay, they they beat some bad teams, got it. That's been a bugaboo for this team. Mm-hmm, it has. Um, motivation mm-hmm. and, like, the consistent effort. Like, we, we've seen this team get high on its own supply before, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, things are going great. We're going to make the playoffs. The pressure's off. We don't really need to come out guns a-blazing. It's a back-to-back. Okay, we got our, our guy back, <laughs> yep. Morgan Riley. We got our 24-minute-a-game defenseman back. Mm-hmm. 
that's just we can beat this team a diminished version of its of itself in the Vegas Golden Knights without our best effort. Instead, we saw one of the best 20 minute efforts we've seen this season. We've seen that by and large for the most part over this six game stretch. There is a consistent effort thing happening with this Leafs team right now. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where when a snowball gets rolling downhill, it's just so much easier to kind of gain momentum. You start playing well if you start making these effort plays and they actually bode for team success or, hey, personal success for certain guys. On the, well, not certain guys. Pretty much everybody's having personal success right now as well. I just think it's human nature that when things start going well, you're willing to do that little bit more. And it's not a... I think sometimes people hear that and they think it's a conscious thing of, you know, I'll just pick on Timothy Lilligren of him going into the corner for a puck and it's like, well, we've lost two in a row. I'm right. ease back. That's not what it is. But it's like anything in life. I'm sure we've all been there at various times where you just feel like you're unstoppable or everything's going well for you and you just attack things with more gusto. And I think that's what you're seeing from, from this Leafs team now. I mean, the... The thing that I think you can, and again, you're right. I think some people will poop, not poo-poo, but, you know, tiss-tiss the win a little bit because of the lack of stone and the lack of Eichel. To your point, those guys are always hurt. But this Leafs team, I think the thing that I've enjoyed most about this stretch is, of course, the goals and it's Matthew scoring. But it's the jam and the nastiness that they've yeah. played with. I mean, I Matthew love Domi Nyes, and, and Bertuzzi on the same line. It's great. It it like it super it it super up supercharges their powers. They're like, oh, you're also a jerk. Great, let's go <laughs> jerk it up out here. Matthew Nyes is every once in a while, uh, like more than once every two weeks. It's like once a week now. Remembering, oh right, I'm strong as an ox in mm-hmm. the absolute peak of my athletic prime. The play he made in the first period oh, where he yeah. just Who was bought that a cotter, I think it was. Yeah, tried to hit yeah. him. It was a, yeah, but like a fifty fifty play. Both of them going uh, after the puck. Wrong eighty yeah. twenty uh, in Matthew Nyes' favor and a hundred to zero by yeah. the time that play was done uh, that guy just had a rough night of it there was the other play by that Cotter guy late in the third period I think it was in the third period where McCabe was let it he chipped a puck in and it, it Cotter didn't want to touch it because he didn't want to get hit McCabe's like I'm just gonna smoke you and then he cross-checked him right in the back got two yeah it was a classic that guy was just having a bad go of at night and the Leafs were having to go on but the reason I bring up the physicality stuff is that I don't know that any team checks that box at least in public perception, more than the Golden Knights of a heavy, physical, hard to play against, grinding team. And the fact that you can go in there and play in a chippy game and you don't feel any type of way about it or the Leafs getting chased out of the building in that regard even. I think that is another thing that Bo, that that does make people feel, and it should feel a little bit differently about this, is that there is just a bit more of that, I'll use all my Berkeys, like pugnacity, truculence, all of those. Yeah, they they have energy, and and they got another defensive pairing, a couple more mm-hmm. that you're you're curious about. I mean, the the Jake McCabe pairing with Simon Benoit mm-hmm. has been one that's been on our radar for a while, but now you've got T.J. Brody, who was let's just say it like brutal in the postseason last yep. year, and pretty brutal this regular season. Back on his natural side mm-hmm. on the left side with Timothy Lilligren, who's taking a star turn. It was interesting to see Morgan Riley get an opportunity back on power play yeah. one right out of the shoot when Sheldon Keefe said, hey, why are you keeping the D pairings the same way? He's like, I, I don't want to mess with what's going. I mean, the power play has been its best self yeah. the last five games. Why are you messing with that but not the D pairings? And not that it was Timothy Lilligren, the the quarterback yeah. of the – and he hasn't been the the, the, the guy on the power play mm-hmm. this entire five – the previous five-game stretch too, right? There was the Jake McCabe yeah. dalliance. 
But the sniper, Jake McCabe. I mean, goals in the last week. I mean, there's so little to nitpick negatively from yesterday's game. The power play looked not like it looked the previous five games. Yeah, there there was definitely an element to that. And I think you can pretty straightly point the line that not that it's Morgan Riley's fault, but it's just you get a little cute. The first one, it kind of felt like Morgan Riley's fault. He kind of looked a little little rattled. There there was a bit of that, but I think that it's just, again, it it goes back more to human nature than it does like a lineup or a roster construction thing. Everything's been going well. Just keep it going well. Mm-hmm. Part of it has been, you know, I know we all talk about it. It's like the greatest skill set in Toronto sports history is that that little sifter wrist shot that Cody Franzen had. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's what you need. Or in Lilligren, just go ask him, oh, I just passed a 34. Yeah. If he's open, just give it to him, generally speaking. Good yeah. good play. And sometimes it does just need to be that simple for even the best yeah. power plays, especially when they don't need Morgan Riley to be dynamic Dude. Morgan Riley on the power play. They don't. Dude. That's the last place they need it. Yeah, it's kind of the same mentality that this blue line took on without Morgan Riley is that like, hey, we don't need to do too much. It's the same mentality that Timothy Lilligren, I think, had on the power play is like, he, he almost. it's almost like even Marner, know, though, the game before, like mm-hmm. we talked about it, what preceded the first power play goal was him being in the slot, having options on either side and going, we just got to get something on net. And take, yeah. He took Simple a clapper play. from the shot. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like you don't, you, you don't want too many playmakers on your power play, right? That that that, that yeah. think that they can make the play that can create the goal all by themselves. Mm-hmm. And kudos to them all. They all can. Well, and Morgan just, Riley can. It is funny, though. It's like, so who's the... like? Because really, it's just Marner and, and it's Riley, right? Because Nylander mm-hmm. can be a playmaker, but... If he's got daylight, he's letting it fly, yes. of course. And we know what Tavares is there to do is win puck battles and be in front of the nets. It's like he's not even allowed to touch the puck unless mm-hmm. he's going to shovel it across to Matthews or shovel it in the back of the net. It's like, can you only have one playmaker? And I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just yeah. talking through it here. It's like, can there really only be one kind of pure playmaker? And I don't know that I even think of Riley as that. I think of Riley more as a... He just wants to have the puck on his stick and yeah. doing stuff. He wants to get down low on the cycle and move spots and... Sometimes when the power play goes stale, it's a very, very effective thing, but it is the farthest thing from stale. It's like freshly baked bread Mm. right now. You're pulling it right out of the oven, and then it got a little burnt yesterday. (laughs) It did. Um, They were also using that power. It was a weird game because they were up 4-0. The game was done, and then they were up 6-1, and Mm. then the game was done, and then it was, and then it was 6-3, and you're Uh, like, oh, my God, Martin Jones... Uh, yeah, fairly well. We have to talk about that first, Mark. You said his name? Yeah. We have to talk about that first goal. Yeah, which is... The warm-up shot? It's, yes, which was pointed out in the broadcast. At the time, I was wondering why the the broadcast wasn't talking about the smelliness of that one. It's like, it's from the slot, and what a great shot, but it's from the high slot. It's like above the circles. Yeah. You got to save that. There's very few people... In the league, where if it if they score that goal, we don't kill the goalie, right? Like if it's Austin Matthews, there's a world where you go, ah, what do you want? Like it's 34, he's scoring every single night, he shoots from distance, it's what he does. But there's really only two to three of those guys in the league, and yeah, you just can't have that. It's Martin Jones; he's the third goalie. He's not even supposed to be playing. Wow. If Joe Wall was alive, he he would probably have been playing wow. in that game. I mean, yeah, and we're we're not. I'll just speak for myself. Mm. I'm not a goalie guru, right? No, but neither am I. I I'm just, yeah, yeah. got to make that save. And certainly, and you got to make the save on Michael Amadio, who, okay, of short course, side, and it's a great shot. And But, like, look at how much room he has to mm-hmm. shoot yep. on that thing. And, yeah, Martin Jones is moving. Got to make a save. So, Martin Jones saved this team from yep. 
completely falling apart when they had no options. And you're like, where would this team be without Martin Jones? And thank goodness for him. And there are some people being like, it's a 50-50 chance. Well, He's starting game one again, of the playoffs. Again, if, I, if I'm going to rehash that take, it was partly because of the play of Martin Jones, but mostly because <laughs> Ilya Samsonov was uh, not in the National Hockey League and Joseph Wall's ankles were destroyed. He's still, yeah, he's still finding them. He's actually back in Switzerland. They said, the press mm-hmm. release said he went to the Marlies. He's back in Switzerland looking for his ankles. So now you go to a, a spot where, yeah, holy cow. And I don't think I was laughed out of the room. There's nobody saying, that's outrageous, Martin Jones, 50-50 no, shot. I, was, I actually was laughed out of the room for going like 20, I think. Yeah. I went, and you and Luke were like, what, 20? Yeah. So uh, we, we go from that to, yeah, I mean, you're not going to put Martin Jones through waivers. But, like, if you did, you wouldn't be devastated if Joe, mm. Joe Wall comes back and asserts himself as a National Hockey League goaltender. Like, you can't. You can't afford to not have right. a third okay, NHL-caliber goalie, especially considering Joe Wall's injury history and that specific injury and his ability to come back from it. Although, Matt Murray is, like, lurking in the background uh, here. Kipper... I, I told you, I think it was Kipper who like first pointed this out. I am I am not ruling out the possibility of... You shouldn't. Th- no, no. This is the greatest story in NHL history, though. If after years and years of LTIR shenanigans that Matt Murray on LTIR yeah. comes back and leads the Leafs to like, hey, forget the promised land, like just like a greener pasture. Mm. Oh, the squawking across the league the smile on my face throughout all of it. I want it for the discourse alone. Please yeah. give it to me. I, I, I think I just like Hunjin Ryu a season ago, um, being not a part of the plans going into that season for the blue Jays, but then became a, an integral part of their regular season when Alec Manoa became a pumpkin. I, I, I think the possibility very much exists that Matt Murray plays a game in the National Hockey League for Maple Leafs this season, and maybe that's in the postseason. I was going to say, it, would, it feels like, you know, and I don't know if we want to do deadline here or not, but it feels like it would have to be postseason only. Otherwise, you're saying that that's your John Klingberg acquisition mm-hmm. is Matt Murray, and well, I don't know how the cap I mean, they, would work they, of all that. Remember, they can always make it work, it, it feels like, the last couple of weeks of the season. I, you're right, with shuttling guys I, up and down I remember again. remember Zach Hyman, you're, he was on LTIR that one year, yeah. and you're like, oh, well, he can't come back into the postseason, and still somehow they, they yeah. he was able to return. So The, the NHL cap, it's a, I was about to say it's a black box, but like we're, we do what we are technically allowed to see, and it's more of like a magic eight ball. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, shake it and see what Gary says. So, uh, yeah, Martin Jones, <laughs> I tweeted this out. I thought it was funny. Uh-huh. Yeah, he, I, I almost responded. I think I know the tweet you're referencing, and I almost responded to it, and I said, you know what? I'll save my quit for the air tomorrow. I think all the Maple Leafs should get the belt for yesterday's this game. Is exactly the except, one I'm referencing. Except for Martin Jones. Martin Jones, that someone tweeted, but yeah, I want to see the Leafs tweet out that picture where it's just everybody with the belt, and there's Martin Jones off to the side. No, no, they shouldn't. Okay, you. I actually I went on record with this. I think it was yesterday. Maybe it was two days ago of my distaste of, of group belt pictures. Like, if you win the belt, you win the belt. Mm-hmm. I would make an exception last night. Yeah. But if I can add an amendment to you, as funny as it would be, to see like wide shot of the dressing room and thank goodness it's in Vegas. You could actually do a wide shot instead of the cubby that they were in, in, in uh, mullet arena the night before of Martin Jones sitting off in the corner. I think it's funnier 
if we get the shot from behind Martin Jones and they make him take the picture oh, that's of all good. the boys together. And that's then it's good. like, we got the Leafs PR shot and he's, <laughs> he's like going full bad. He's got the landscape phone. Yeah. It's like, can you scooch in a little? Austin, I can't yeah. see your face. That's that good. is, if they really want to twist the knife, it's not enough to sit on the side. No, no, no. Get to work. Mm-hmm. Make something of yourself, at least last night. Well, and again, God, where would this team be without him? But mm. last night, uh, yeah, probably with a bigger lead. And it didn't matter, but... You know who's maybe most ecstatic that the Leafs put forth that 60-minute effort? Uh, yeah, As, I know. It's the guy who missed the previous five games yeah. due to suspension in his first game back. And I don't discount that being a possibility as to why they came out with that amount of We jump. joked about it yesterday. If you played for him for the last five games, don't just do it then. You need to play for him in last mm-hmm. night's game. And, you know, who knows why, what, why they came shot out of a cannon, but I don't think you can look past that completely. Yeah, uh, it, it allows us to more easily, and we should have done this previously as well, looked at the 19-2-1 stretch without Morgan Riley mm-hmm. as an aberration. And clearly, this team being better with Morgan Riley than without him. And, you know, what we all posed as far as a question with Morgan Riley out, hey, if only this blue line could figure out how to play that way with Morgan Riley back in the lineup. That's proof of concept of that as well yesterday. Yeah, and I mean, part of that is that you just kept it as as connected as you could from the team without Riley to the team with him. You have him playing on a pair with with uh, mine and Matt Dean's boy, William Logerson. I... I'm not going to say that that's the long-term solution for him, but that's the partner that's always worked best alongside him. Like, yes, the best partner we've seen Riley with has been best version of TJ Brody. As we mentioned earlier in the show, though, the best version of TJ Brody, unfortunately, no longer plays on the right side of the ice. The idea of can, I think that's passed. It's like, can he? Of course. We've seen it. We don't like it. I bet he doesn't either, and I really guarantee you Shelton Keefe doesn't. So I think you just look at this and say, okay, that is, that version of the Leafs where you get a good pair out of Brody on the right side, Riley on the left side, you need to move on from that. And this goes back to conversations we've had about, you know, your Labushkinat or maybe somebody loves Chris Tanev. It's like that's where the, and again, the the version of this player needs to be better than, no offense, William Lagerson. Mm-hmm. But that's the guy he's kind of always had his best version of himself alongside is the Take it easy, play it safe, be physical, be the more aggressive guy in the pair, at least in terms of physically aggressive, and then let Riley kind of do what he needs to do out there. So I love that Keith stuck with it. It's really curious to me that he stuck with everything except the power play. I know Mm -hmm. we already talked about it, but just as we keep going to it, I can't get that out of my head. It's all, it almost feels and God, this stuff is, we can we can say this when they've won six straight. If they were in a losing streak, this would be terrible. It almost feels like the guy said, put him back there mm-hmm. to me. It mm-hmm. kind of it kind of does. I don't know what other reason there would be when he wants to keep everything else the same. Does it not kind of feel like that's the big boys going, okay, come on, we're all back together. Right. Get him out there. Yeah. I, I don't know that. Like, obviously, it's not being reported or anything, but yeah. ha- wh- why else? Like, what what else would be the impetus there? Yeah. Other than, I guess you could say, we want Mo feeling like he's a part of it and back. And mm. if you're on a third pair with William Loggerson, maybe maybe you don't feel that way. Yeah, I mean, if you're just thinking about it logically, also, this is a guy that's feasted points-wise yep. on the power play and and been a stalwart there. But it's not like you've been loath to move him off that thing. I mean, mm-hmm. we had our Rasmus Sandin power play one quarterback earlier it. this season. It was John Klingberg out of the shoot is going to be on power play one. 
Uh, I think it's an evolving situation. Just as Power Play 1 was an evolving situation yesterday. I mean, you had yeah. Max Domi on it on occasion. You had John Tavares back on it. And Tyler Bertuzzi's been in and out of the first what do you Power think, Play unit. What do you think that more was? Him not liking the look of how it looked in the game or the game score being what it was? And nah, let's trying get, to get some him different bodies out there. Yeah. And trying to get yep. him a hat trick. Like, well, I think <laughs> that was pretty clearly part of the decision-making when you're up 6-1 and... and the game feels over, except Martin Jones allowed it not to be over yeah. in the third period. But yeah, no, I, I think that was clearly a, a a nod to a guy who's having a great, great game. The Matthews again, like he's warped our brains in so many ways that I when a when a Leaf gets to two goals, not with like if the second goal doesn't come deep in the third period, mm-hmm. if they get the second goal early in the third or in the second, or you have two in the first, I. Just kind of expect the third one's going to go in right of now. Course. And obviously that's not the way it happens. And you feel differently about it. If it's Matthews, then no offense, Bobby McMahon or Max Domi, but uh-huh. I'm sitting there. I'm going, wow, they're going to get another hat trick. This is going to be the week of hat tricks for this team. And it just, it, it does kind of go back to where I started with it all that hockey is to a certain extent, like a game of run a game of bounces. And that's not to say that the Leafs are good right now because they're getting bounces, but they were not getting some earlier in the year. And the, when things start going your way, you get to become the best version of yourself. And I think the two things have kind of fed off one another in this streak. So the Leafs now find themselves 72 points. They are 32, 16, and 8. They're six points back of the Panthers for second in the Atlantic Division. They only have one game in hand now on the Panthers. They, they do have two games in hand on the Bruins, who are at the top, um, and eight points up on the Leafs. But they are now separating themselves from both the Red Wings and the Lightning. They are six points up on the Red Wings, Played the same number of games. Good win for Detroit last night. Yeah. Overtime uh, against the What uh, an Avs. overtime winner, too. Yeah. Showtime. It was perfect timing. To, it it really was. Wet your appetite really for, was. for that Leafs game. The Lightning and Andre Vasilevsky is a, a very human right now. Um, they are seven points back of the Leafs, and the Leafs have a couple of games in hand on them. So, like, the team on the outside of the playoffs looking in that I guess you would be looking over your shoulder is the Washington freaking Capitals now, right? At 60 points, you're 12 points up. On the Caps, Caps have a game in hand on you, and I, I like it. Your take of this? Yeah, I know. Tell me my favorite thing in the world that I was right. I know you were right. I, I mean, the, I, I didn't disagree that they were always no, going to make didn't. the playoffs. I, I'm not painting you as the guy who had the opposite take. I will say that I did think that we go a little bit further into the season with a little more playoff anxiety and these games taking on more import because mm-hmm. here's where, here's where we are right now. And it's, it's a, a six game winning streak makes all the difference yep. is that it, it really does feel like we're pretty close to regular seasons gone by of, Hey, you want to win? It's the regular season. You got to show proof of confidence and you want to play. You want, despite your incredible road record, you want home ice advantage in the first round. Mm-hmm. Like that's not something that you don't want. And you, the possibility exists of you winning the Atlantic division for the first time in this, in this tenure. But yeah, it, it, we are back to, it, this is not a Panthers from a season ago situation anymore. No, it's not. It's very, it, it, we're not also back to locked into the exact playoff opponent, but we are locked into one or two already. I'm going to yeah. go out on a limb and say that. I don't think the top three of the Atlantic is changing. I do not believe that to be the case. I think well, Boston, but, Florida. But if and, you finish first, obviously yep. you you have a different opponent. Yes. there. And is. I don't discount the possibility of the Leafs winning the Atlantic. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. With the stretch they've gone on. And again, you just look at it. They are, they're eight points back of Boston, two games in hand. They got a game against Boston, not next week, but the week after that, it's a big stretch. Like if they continue to play this hockey, they're going to be, 
right there. The Do you think that is a, I mean, no one's going to sit here and say it's a bad thing that the Leafs went on this run that they're on eight and two in their last 10, six in a row, yada, yada, yada. Do you think it does, I don't, I don't even want to say diminish their chances, but how does it make you feel that they mm-hmm. won't have that Florida Panthers push and run that we've talked about? Because that's been kind of, and I think part of it is just trying to talk ourselves oh, into yeah. any way the run's going to happen. That, you can just easily do the same thing with this. Now you're like, oh, it gives you a chance to rest some players, and Austin Matthews doesn't have to play 24 minutes a game down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And Unless you he's can, chasing seven days, right. he has to. Yeah, but you can more you can more force the issue with him. Not that you need to, because he just he scores at will. He does whatever he wants, whenever he wants. But God. yeah, and and clearly a part of what's made you successful is spreading the minutes out. But yeah, you do you shouldn't feel afraid to do so you shouldn't feel afraid to to have a a deployment if you're Sheldon Keith that maybe on paper doesn't look the best but you want to see if it can be sustainable in the postseason like some defensive zone draws for like Max the Max Domi line yep. with Tyler Bertuzzi can that work yeah I, I think that allows you to do that uh, I, I would have also made the opposite argument of if, if they were doing the Panthers thing but it seems clear that they're not so yeah no it allows you to experiment a little bit more Brent all right, uh, one more thing on this. I mean, again, we'll get back to Leafs after seven, but here for me, you mentioned Brody, a different version of himself. It's not lost on me that so much of the conversation about the Leafs' blue line being not better, but more stable or safer without Riley is that everyone understands they're not Morgan Riley. I think TJ Brody kind of thinks he's Morgan Riley right now. Mm-hmm. Ever since he's gone to the left side, he's up in the play. He's down below the goal line. He's around the front of the net. I, I would love to see, and again, it's like, a, I'm sure it's out there. I could find it. I'd love to see the map of like where he skated this oh, year. Yeah. And if you go transport just the last three games, it would look like a completely different player. There are four or five games, whatever it's been. Goalies are seeing the whites of TJ Brody's eyes. eyes for the first time all season. <laughs> it's remarkable, honestly. And I, I don't say this to say dial it back, but it's not lost on me that so much of the conversation has been, hey, this team starts playing safe. They get a little, well, maybe not. It's like Mm. there are some guys on this team. You want them playing it safe. Jake McCabe, he has done a great job of finding the best version of him and aggressiveness and Benoit and all that. But if TJ Brody can be the guy we've seen in this, I'm I'm okay with a little freelancing uh, from him, especially if Lilligren can be, you know, kind of a more, Funny to say about a player we still think of as a young developing guy, but the more stable one on on that pair, I don't know. It'll be uh, that'll be interesting to see is how much that is sustainable, or if this is a bit of a blip from Brody. Yeah, the the blip has now lasted a half dozen games, six in a row. The Maple Leafs have won. Obviously, going to um, come back around to talking about the Leafs after seven o'clock. But coming up next, hey, the Raptors won their first game of the unofficial second half. Hey, poor Dennis Schroeder. Mm, didn't look so great in his revenge game. Hey, there was Ben Simmons doing not a whole heck of a lot. Uh, we'll talk about all things Raptors uh, next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. So I get it. The Nets are going through a period of transition. They just fired their head coach. But that is, like, factually the team between the Raptors and the final play-in tournament spot. Uh, <laughs> NBA is weird this year. I mean, it's weird a little every year, but, mm. God, you're right. What a what an odd statement to say. Yeah. 
Raptors are four and a half games back of the Atlanta Hawks, who they have tonight, I believe. Um, but yeah, they they just took it they to do. the Nets. Can confirm. Okay, thank you. Uh, yeah, they just took it to a Brooklyn Nets team who fall to 21 and 34 Raptors now, 20 and 36. So, I mean, if if you're of the belief, and sure, but the majority of, of play we've seen post-trade has been one where you're not getting too geeked up about the possibility of more wins. No. But if you're of the belief that they can't make the play-in tournament, and that's an outrageous statement, like, why would you even talk about it? Again, look at that game. Yep. Watch the Atlanta Hawks on a daily basis. Okay? Those are the two teams that you got you to gotta beat to get into the play-in tournament. I don't think they're juggernauts by any stretch of the imagination. But it was, hey, no matter who it is, it was great to see the Raptors come out with lots of energy right out of the gate. Scotty Barnes engaged. He was 7-13. to 13. Gary Trent Jr., he's want to do this on occasion, right? Mm-hmm. Bizarre, though, that you couldn't get a taker on him, a pending free agent that somebody didn't realize the microwave score potential of a Gary Trent Jr. and not wanting that guy to come off the bench and, yeah, have his requisite 5-7 of seven from 3 game that he has once a week. It's not even the microwave scorer of it all, because you're right. It's just it's the way he does it with just he can just be a shooter, right? Like you look at Cam Thomas last night and I'm watching him and, you know, he's a classic guy who, at least for me anyways, it's like he pops up on my Instagram and my Twitter a fair amount, but I'm not sitting here watching grinding over Nets games. That guy's just a walking bucket, but you kind of got to let him do his own thing. You got to give him the ball, clear out for 10 seconds. And generally speaking, it's going to work out more times than not, but that changes the way your team plays. For a guy like Gary Trent Jr., he is as plug and play as yeah. it gets. So yeah, I'm shocked. And you know, I think I think part of it is that I don't I don't think there were as big offers on it, but it's like I do think there was maybe some element of not wanting a just complete giveaway for a second round pick or something mm-hmm. along those lines. But yeah, you're right. Like if you there he is a classic guy that I don't think the NBA at large will talk about this way, but you or I, when we're watching some second round series this year and some team mm-hmm. just can't get a shot to drop, you're gonna go, hmm. Wouldn't you have loved to pony up for Gary Trenchy? Sure, he's not a perfect player. No. And like that is it's it's almost all that he does is hit jumpers. Um, and they don't always fall. But yeah, when they are falling, he can be effective like he was yesterday. Just like he did a very egalitarian offense mm-hmm. yesterday. Scotty Barnes, 13 field goal attempts. Excuse me. Gary Trent Jr., 12 field goal attempts. RJ Barrett, 13 field goal attempts. Emmanuel Quickly, 16 field goal attempts, 5 of 8 from 3 from him as well. And I think, yeah, one of the things, I don't know if I mentioned it yesterday, and one of the things that I'm looking forward mm. to or or evaluating in the yep. second half of the Raptors season is Quickly's ability to combine his offensive skill set and hitting his own shots and and taking his own shots and distributing and and being the lead guard for the first time in his career. I thought yesterday was a great job of, of mixing the two. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think you need him to be a facilitator. I think that all good teams have this where one of the key pillars of your team, I mean, forever here, it was Lowry and the bench mob, right? Is that you want, and generally speaking, works out better than not when it's a guard. It's a guy who's comfortable handling the ball. And obviously, you know, Scotty's comfortable in that regard. But I think that's the other part of this is that, if you are going to kind of set up the rotation in a way where you allow quickly to play almost one role with Scotty Barnes, 
on the floor and another one when he's not there. I think that allows kind of the best of both worlds in terms of growth for the player because you don't want to cap quickly at a ceiling. Like, you need him to continue to get better if you want this team to go anywhere, not this year, but in the the coming season. So I actually think that's kind of the best of both worlds there where you can have him play. And again, it's, you know, I'm overstating it. It's not, this isn't binary. It's not zero or one, but he's much more of a kind of off-ball guy or can be, can, can step back as the facilitator when Barnes is out there. But then when he's not, even with Barrett, as good a scorer as Barrett is, you don't you don't love the ball in his hands making decisions all the time, especially if Quickly's going to be there. So I think it's, it really does kind of set up for a best of both worlds for him. It's kind of a worst of all worlds for Dennis Schroeder since the NBA season started. It was a great pre-NBA oh season, lifting the, the FIBA World Cup trophy for Team Germany. Um, and he was given the car keys to be the mm-hmm. lead point guard on a Raptors team that at that point didn't necessarily have to be a rebuilding team um since then he was demoted to the second unit since then they've traded everybody away uh, since then they've taken the point guard who they said would be our starting point guard on a team that's trying to make the playoffs to mm-hmm. a guy that was on the bench for a team that's going to be in the lottery uh and then shipped him to another lottery team where he's coming off the bench and he went one to seven yesterday anyways he's got his money but yeah, poor poor Dennis Schroeder. I, I don't think he necessarily deserves to have his season play out the way it has. I don't know if Ben Simmons deserves what's happened to his career as well because like a lot of what's happened here has been injuries. Sorry, before you get going on the Simmons thing, I just wanted to make sure I had the uh, had the quote in front of me. Uh, I wanted to make sure I had the quote in front of me before I started. Uh, just uh, Kayla Gray uh, had this quote from Schroeder. I mean, it's a tough one because, I mean, I came in off a historic summer and I was thinking about doing the same thing here in Toronto. That wasn't really their intentions. It was a little different. He goes on to talk more, but that's kind of the crux of it there. I, It's pretty telling how he felt about the beginning of this season for the Raptors and maybe what their goals and intentions were. Uh, I feel like it was their intention. Uh, I think it was probably a mistake for that to be their intentions, and they always had the, the, the thought process of pivoting, um, and they did. And uh, unfortunately for, for Dennis, uh, he was caught in the, the crossfire. So Ben Simmons... Back in our lives, um, and I guess he's going to continue to be in our lives. Uh, Bernie Lee, friend of the show, agent for Ben Simmons, had some great tweets and Instagram posts preseason about this is going to be the year for Ben Simmons. Mm. He's going to be healthy. You're going to see the guy that earned the max contract that he's still playing out for one more year. He's making north of $40 million next year, but that's the end of it. And it might be the end, honestly, of Ben Simmons' career. Like, the, to, next year might be the end of Ben Simmons' career. We might see a situation where he's just bought out at the end of the season if he's not used as, a, you know, a, a a contract for ballast in a yep. trade next season. That Ben Simmons could easily, at the conclusion of next season, be a guy that's either on a, a league minimum deal or just not playing basketball at all. And to me, I mean, there's been some busts first overall picks, right? Like, pretty clearly, like, Greg Oden, that's a tough one. Anthony Bennett, although, like, I almost put Anthony Bennett in a different bucket because he was... You hate being mean to Canadians. Well, and also it was like, oh, Anthony Bennett, first overall, but it was like one of those drafts where it was like, he's just like, sorry, like, victim of circumstance almost. Mm -hmm. But anyways, we've had bus. Got LeBron a title in Cleveland, theoretically. Kwame Brown, we've had bus before, okay? We've had bus. To me, Ben Simmons is the worst type of bust mm-hmm. where you've seen it and and so much so that he did earn 
that max contract on the strength of some incredible defense, mm -hmm. on some incredible ball handling, some incredible ability to get to the rim. And certainly, yeah, like the, the injury part of it is 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 crucial yep. to the story of Ben Simmons. But he's destroyed the hopes of like multiple different franchises now. And he's still you're still on the hook for 40 million bucks. Who's a bigger bust? Honestly. Honestly, who's a bigger bust? Greg Oden or Ben Simmons? I mean, I I think a lot of people would make the argument that the fact that Greg Oden played like a hundred career games, he's the bigger bust. But guess what? Once that was over, it was over. There yeah. was no paying him $40 million a year while he was sitting there going, man, I wish I could be a dentist when my hands are so big. And again, that's true. That's what he wanted to do, okay? With Ben Simmons, it, it's not just the lack of production is what he's supposed to be as a player. It's not just the salary. It's all the other stuff that follows it. And, you know, we... You and I do not need to rehash this and the mental health stuff and how seriously or lack of seriously we should do it. But guy just did not want to play in a in a basketball game. And I'm sorry, but you want competitors on your team. When you when we go to to NBA bus from this era specifically, I think you mentioned the biggest ones. But look at Markel Fultz. Yeah, that guy had every reason to pack it in and go. All right, and my shot is broken. My shoulders don't work anymore. He was an electric shooter. He can't shoot anymore. And guess what? Still an effective player carving out a role. You. You sit there and you look at Markel Fultz. You know, if you're a Sixers fan, maybe you feel differently about it. But you sit there and you go, I, I respect you, Markel Fultz. I want to I wanna shake your hand the way you've carved out a niche and made something of yourself. Ben Simmons has gone the exact opposite way. And, yeah, I think, the, again, like I think always the guys who just never do anything, never, ever do anything, they're the bigger bust. But they don't hurt their franchise in nearly the same way that a guy like Simmons has. I mean, he's not destroyed two franchises because the Sixers still have Joel Embiid, and if mm -hmm. he comes back this year, they could win it all this year. But they chose Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler. Mm -hmm. And we saw that Jimmy... chose Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Literally just pick Jimmy Butler over any guy other than Joel Embiid on that team, and you're fine. And it was probably God. more the Kyrie Irving of it all that broke up the, 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 the good Nets team. But you can't discount the role that Ben Simmons played not. not coming back for the postseason and and the attitude problems that existed there. So, yeah, okay. It's hard to compare him to Greg Oden, who didn't play basketball. But yeah. uh, he's, he's destroyed two franchises. Just Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown right behind him in the draft. Like, yeah. if Philly just takes... One of those guys. And it's like, you know, Jalen Brown's not a perfect player. We've all done the thing of like, well, look at the videos of him dribbling. But uh, don't contest finalist, okay? He, what is it, like the Streisand effect, they call it, when somebody draws attention to something for <laughs> trying to block it? Yeah. He should try yeah. to just like <laughs> nuke that. The slow-mo, I, I know we're doing all-star stuff. The slow-mo of him covering his eyes after, after the like, dunk, hey, oh, after he oh. jumped over a foot tall guy sitting down. It's never going to not be At first I was like, oh, are you just doing a dab? Yeah. Oh, he <laughs> thought it was like Mitch Marner circa 2017. Right. No, 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 no. He was like, hey, look, my eyes were closed the whole time. Oh, God. Embarrassing. Just very, like Ben Simmons' career. Yeah, very much so. So actually maybe they would have been no better off. Mm. Nah, maybe a little. All right. When we come back, Leafs. Look at the peak of their powers. Winners of six consecutive. They're now ninth in points percentage in the NHL. What does this mean for the trade deadline, which is fast approaching? That and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.